Good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning. This is our 12th week of online services and I love online. It's, I'm so glad that we have it. Do you realize that we did have a flu like this, uh, as bad as this or maybe worse, the Spanish flu in the early part of the 1900s, but there was no internet and no way of, uh, of communicating with people like we have today. Uh, but the internet does bring its own set of unique problems. Every week there is something. This morning uh, I got a thermometer up on my phone, which is the main camera, and uh, it said too hot to use, and it needed to cool down before I could use it. But don't worry about it. I put it in the freezer, and it's fine. It's going to work fine for this. Um, but <clears throat> it does present unique problems to us. Uh, but praise the Lord uh, that we have a way of communicating. I trust you're enjoying your bank holiday weekend. And it's almost to me as though uh, God said, well, if you can't go anywhere this weekend, but what, what I'll do is I'll give you beautiful weather to enjoy. And truly, when Ireland gets sunshine like this, there is nowhere in the world that you would rather be. Uh, so do enjoy it. Uh, get out for your walks and enjoy this beautiful weather uh, during this day. Uh, today, we're going to talk about uh, a topic that really is close to all of our hearts. It's who are you living for? Who are you living to please? God made us and he made us uh, with a desire to be loved, a desire to please and to be loved. And everything that God put in us has uh, a, a right way of fulfilling it and a wrong way of fulfilling it. Usually the wrong way is more attractive to us in our sin natures uh, than the right way. God made you for himself. He made you to please him. He made you to receive love from him. But we all want to receive love from others. And that's not bad in itself, but when it becomes more important than him, then it becomes bad. We're looking at the Beatitudes from Luke chapter 6. And Jesus uh, is laying out, in a sense, a manifesto uh, for the kingdom, we might say. And he's doing it in a very strange way. Just imagine for a second, if you were to try and attract people to a conference, uh, and the title on the conference was, uh, Happy Are the Poor. I don't think many people would be coming. Um, happy are those that uh, hunger. Happy are those that mourn. I don't think we'd be drawing much of a crowd on that. This morning, he gets a, takes a deeper still. He says, Blessed are ye when men shall hate you. Oh my, none of us want to be hated. What is Jesus getting at here? What is he dealing with in our souls? What is he trying to upend in us that, have us, that has us living in a way that he's not pleased with? I'm going to read our verses for this morning. And remember, in Luke chapter 6, the Beatitudes are laid out. And then he gives you the contra, the other side of it. So we're going to look at both here. And then we'll have a word of prayer and we'll dive into our message today. But let me just encourage you with this before we start. There is a way to be free of the bondage of pleasing people. There is a way for you and I to be set free from that bondage. Jesus is going to give us the way. By the way, young people, children, I have a story that's going to be helpful to you at the end of it. It'll be helpful to all of us, but it's particularly uh, helpful to young people because it comes from a children's book and it will help us with this issue because it's in our children, it's in our teens, it's in our adults, it's, uh, it's all the way through us. 
this desire to be loved, to please people, and to be liked. So let's read our text. Luke 6.22 Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. And then the contra in verse 26 Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Let's pray. Father, would you bless us this morning as we look to your word? Oh, we love you, and we know that your way is the best way for our lives. But Lord, uh, we're weak in our hearts, Lord, and we don't have the power. But Lord, you have the power. We come to you today and we ask you to take your power. Lord, for that one that is struggling today, trying to please people and frustrated with it, frustrated with themselves. Lord, would you set them free today? For that one that doesn't know you, oh Lord, may today be the day when they come to rest in you, when they come to that place where they put their trust, their faith in you, and they believe on you for salvation and they are changed. But Lord, would you bless us all with your word? Lord, uh, your words are life and we, we ask you to touch our hearts with them now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So we love to be liked, all of us do. Uh, social media has exploited uh, that part of our character. And um, we can look at social media, we can feel bad about it, we can uh, not like it, but that really doesn't matter. It's just real, it's there. And the, the, the problem with it is when we become addicted to it. Let me read you a recent study. It says, this is observable in social media usage. When an individual gets a notification, such as a like or a mention, uh, the brain receives a rush of dopamine and sends it along rearward pathways, causing him or her her to feel pleasure. Social media provides an endless amount of immediate rewards in the form of attention from others for relatively minimal effort. Therefore, the brain rewires itself through this positive reinforcement, making people desire likes, retweets, and emoticon reactions. So what happens when you and I are on social media is this desire to be liked, this desire to be pleased, gets fulfilled uh, in a very superficial way, but in a relatively easy way. And what it's saying there is very easy for us to get addicted to that. Now, the problem with that is that when you become addicted to social media, you're dependent on the response in order for you to feel good about yourself. And when you're not getting the right response, you can't feel good about yourself. Uh, It becomes a real problem for many people. Many people uh, find themselves depressed. Some have even committed suicide because uh, they they weren't getting uh, the likes uh, that validated them, that make them feel uh, like they were important human beings. And because of that, they, they felt like they were worthless. Now, that's nonsense. But yet, uh, it goes very deep into us, this desire to be liked. In fact, I noticed it myself recently. Now, for the most <clears throat> of social media, I have posted very little uh, on social media. I think it's an important tool uh, for the church to use. But personally, it doesn't quite get me. But of course, uh, since uh, the lockdown, I've been on posting something almost every day on social media. And here's what I found. I found I was looking at the number of people that viewed. And if there was a great number of people that viewed, I was feeling good. And if there was a lesser number of people viewing, I was feeling, oh. And I, I thought, that's strange. And really, 
it's part of who we are to respond like that. And unless we're responding to something more important than the likes we see, we're going to end up playing to that. What if the Lord leads me to preach a message that's controversial and people unfollow and people <clears throat> react wrongly to it? You see, there's a bondage involved when we come to the place where we let social media or people or anything other than God validate who we are. We've got to be very careful about it. You see, as a Christian, your life is hid with Christ and God. Nobody really knows what's going on between you and God, except you and God and God more even than you do. And you've got to live your life in a way that is not going to always make sense to the world. Now, we're not going to be obnoxious for the sake of being obnoxious. I've seen people do that. But we are going to live lives that are different, that go against the grain, that 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 see life differently and respond to life differently. And because of that, we're going to endure criticism. Jesus puts a stronger word on it. He says we're going to be hated. Now, you and I have not endured persecution like these people were going to endure, but we do endure our response when we're open and declare our Christianity. And you see, there is a bondage in trying to please people. There's a bondage in that, because ultimately you can't. You'll have heard the story about the uh, old man and the boy and the donkey. Well, an old man and the boy were <clears throat> and the donkey were walking into a, a town, and as they walked into the town, the boy was sitting on the donkey, and the old man was walking along leading the donkey and uh, his grandson. And so <clears throat> when they came to a first group of people, the people looked at it and they said, that's terrible. Poor old man is walking and that young, strong boy uh, is sitting on the donkey. So they changed places and the man got up on the donkey and the boy was walking along with the donkey. Uh, well, <clears throat> the next group of people said, that's terrible. Uh, you've got that little boy walking and that old man uh, <clears throat> on the donkey. That's dreadful. So he got off the donkey and both of them walked along with the donkey. Well, then they came to a third group of people and the third group of people said to them, that's ridiculous. There they have a perfectly good donkey and both of them are walking. What in the, Where does that make sense? And so they both rode the donkey. Well, the fourth group of people, they came to look at them and said, that's terrible. That poor donkey is carrying all the burden uh, of those two men and they're perfectly healthy and uh, able to do it themselves. And so they both got off the donkey and they began to carry the donkey. And as they crossed a bridge, uh, the donkey slipped, fell into the water, and drowned. Now, the moral of the story is don't carry your donkey across a bridge. The moral of the story is don't listen to critics. If you listen to critics, if you listen to what people want you to do, uh, you're going to constantly be in the place uh, where you're changing courses and you're doing something different uh, and trying to please them, and it's not possible. We had a story about a, uh, a preacher this week who had preached a message and somebody sent him a letter and the letter was anonymous. Now, you shouldn't really read anonymous letters. If somebody hasn't got the uh, gumption to put their name on the letter, then, you know, it really isn't worth reading it and just get rid of it. Well, he did, though. He read it four times, he said, and it was horrible. It uh, took his message apart. It took him apart. It just uh, was crippling. And, and he was going down. He was sinking with it. And then he said, the Lord brought this thought to his head. He said, even if you were perfect, they could still find a reason to crucify you. And isn't that so true? There's no way 
you can please people. Do you know that even God can't please everyone? And why in heaven's name would you and I be trying to do something that even God can't uh, do? Uh, you can't please people. That can't be the focus of your life. You can't live your life with the idea of pleasing people in it. Now, <clears throat> Proverbs 29 verse 25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare. That's what happens to you and I when we seek to please people. And maybe that's where you find yourself today. Maybe you find yourself in that place where uh, you're seeking to please people, you're not really being very successful at it, and you're frustrated with yourself and you're feeling low and bad about yourself. There is a better way. There is a better way. And that is for you and I to seek to please God, not people. Now understand this. You were made for this. You were not made to please people. You were made to please God. So let's see our first point here this morning. Choose to please God. Luke 6.22 says, Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Right? So you and I are going to choose to please God. We're going to choose to set our hearts on pleasing him. Now, our choices are very important. Many of us have... Uh, <clears throat> Joshua 24, 15, uh, on a wall somewhere in our house. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's a choice to be made. You can't do both. You can't serve God and mammon. You can't uh, please people and please God at the same time. You've got to make a choice. Now, you say the choice is, <clears throat> yeah, I need to make a choice, but that won't change me. Well, it's much more important than that. When you set in your heart to please God, the Spirit of God will help you and enable you to do that. But you have to make that choice. You have to come to the place where you make that choice. These people that Jesus is speaking to would face persecution. Remember, he's saying to them, blessed are you when men shall hate you. They were going to know exactly what he meant. In John chapter 9, the story of the blind man being healed. Wonderful story. Jesus uh, makes uh, mud. The man goes off and gets healed. And when the Pharisees ask him who healed him, he doesn't know because he hasn't met Jesus. He hasn't seen anybody. And um, <clears throat> all he knows uh, is that he's healed. And so they ask his parents and they say to his parents, is this your son? Yeah. Was he born blind? Yeah. How was he healed? Well, they won't answer. They say, ask him. He's of age. Ask him. And here's the reason why they won't. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Now, what did that mean to you? If you were put out of the synagogue, it wasn't just like you couldn't go to church anymore. If you were put out of the synagogue, it meant you were ostracized from your community completely. You didn't exist. You were outside uh, the company of the group. It was a dreadful uh, thing to happen to anybody. You, you, you were put out completely because you confessed that Jesus was the Christ. Many of these people are going to confess that Jesus is the Christ and they're going to suffer. Uh, they're going to suffer persecution because of, because of it. <clears throat> so, so when he's calling them to make a choice, he's calling them to make a choice with the cost in mind. 
By the way, it's not so long ago in Ireland that choosing to confess that Jesus was the Christ to become a born-again believer uh, carried a similar price tag. You you were a a traitor to your country if you came to the place where you trusted Christ because Ireland has always been a Catholic nation. And and when somebody came to the place where they trusted Jesus as their saviour, they were turned against. It's not that long ago since it was true. It's true in many countries of the world today. Uh, Your life goes on the line because you choose uh, to please God and not to please man. You can be hated. Uh, the, The tolerance of our day is not having us experience that, but people's minds and hearts change very swiftly. It could be that we will endure persecution as well. And if we haven't made the choice that we're going to please God over man, we're going to find those days impossible. In fact, it's very likely that we'll make the right cho- wrong choice when we're put to it. But there's a cost to standing for Jesus, and we want our Christianity to be a nice, easy thing. We want it to be like a vitamin that you put, in, uh, that you take that makes your life better, uh, that helps you to be better than you were before. But that's not what Christianity is. Christianity changes the woof and fabric of your heart and your life and your thinking and everything about you, and there's a cost involved in it. Jesus said this in Matthew ten thirty four through 39. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. That doesn't sound much like a vitamin pill to me. That sounds like a huge cost. But remember this, that God never asks anything of you without giving you a reward that is worth more than the cost to you. He says this in verse 39, He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake, shall find it. Do you know what happens when you come to the place where you decide you're going to please God and not man? You find life. You're set free. There's a bondage that is just broken in your life. You don't need to please people. You just need to please God. And he is easy pleased. And he is life itself. And he will give you what you need in terms of people. The direction of your heart is what counts. Will you make that choice today? As a believer, as his child, choose that you're going to please him and not people. It's a very important choice to make. By the way, if you're not saved, will you choose him today? Choose him as your savior. You're a sinner, he's a great savior. You trust him with your sin and he will come in and change your life. But don't just leave it there. Choose that you're going to spend your life pleasing him. That's our first point. Choose him. Our second point is this. Make heaven your focus. Verse 23 says, Rejoice ye in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. Do you know this, that you can't live the Christian life without setting your heart on heaven? And life is good in our day. 
we have so many blessings and so many good things going on. Life is good for us in our day. But you still have to keep your heart set upon heaven. You can't do it otherwise. You need to remember the reward. What are you living for today? We talked about that last week. God wants you to live for him so that he can take care of you. That's why he's talking about being poor. That's why he's talking about uh, hungering and mourning. Because he wants to be the one that, that supplies your need. He wants to be the one that feeds you. He wants to be the one that consoles you and comforts you in mourning. He wants you to know that he is enough to take care of you. And he says this, I love you. If you live to please me, you will know my love. And it will be better to you than all the love of people uh, could ever be. But you need to live with heaven in mind. You need to live with the fact I'm living in this life. I'm going to do the best I can to serve my Lord and to live his way and to do what he wants me to do. Because when it's over, I'm going to my real life, my long home, my eternity with him. You need to live with heaven in mind. You can't do the Christian life apart from that. If you live for this world, you're going to live to please people and to keep them happy and to uh, work at that. And you're never going to succeed. It's, it's impossible. There's, there's not enough people in the world to be pleased with you to satisfy this need. Only God can satisfy it. And if you're going to live his way, you have to live for heaven. You can't live the Christian life well without having your focus on heaven. And then he says, remember the prophets. How they live. Well, how do the prophets live? Well, you can go back through all the prophets and you'll find this. Now, they did not know as much about heaven as you and I do. But you know what? They lived looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. They had a hazier picture than we have. But they knew this. They knew God. They knew he loved them. And they were going to be with him. And that's what they were living for. That's why a man like Jeremiah could stand against uh, the, the, the pagan kings of his day and preach righteousness, even though it had him thrown in a pit. Um, that, that's why uh, different of the prophets died, because they were living for heaven. If you're going to be free of the bondage of pleasing people, the first thing you have to do is you have to choose to please God. And the second thing that you have to do is you have to come to the place where you make heaven your focus and not just this world. You're going to have to live a long game. You're going to have to live with the rewards of heaven in mind. Paul said, I reckon that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. How do you think Paul was able to endure all that he endured? Because he was living for heaven. You and I have to live for heaven if we're going to be free from the bondage of pleasing people. In fact, Paul says this in Galatians 1.10. And remember, in Galatians, Paul goes up against the Judaizers, those that would bring the new believers, uh, the Gentile believers, into the bondage of the Old Testament law. He goes up against them, and he's very forthright. He's very blunt and to the point. He says, though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, let him be accursed. Then he says in verse 10 of Galatians chapter 1, for do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? 
For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. What's he saying? He's saying I can't please men and serve Christ at the same time. Neither can you. You've got to choose to please God. You've got to set your focus on the rewards on heaven. But there's a third thing that you need to do too. Look at our third point this morning. Don't let pleasing people be your focus. Luke 6, 26. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the prophets. Now what's he saying there? Even if you and I could please everybody, it will be a cause for concern for us. It's impossible, but it would be a cause for concern for us. Because why? Because it takes us away from having the need that God put in our hearts to be loved by him. And it takes us away from that and fulfills it somewhere else. So you can be sure that because that is true, it's never going to happen in your life. You're never going to be in the place where all men are going to speak well of you. It's impossible. Uh, That just doesn't happen. You see, it's bondage. You have to keep pleasing them. It's like being a politician. I mean, my heart goes out to politicians. Excuse me, and here's the reason why. Because a politician always has to have his eye on the next election. So he's always thinking, now, if I do this, is that going to cause me a problem when it comes to election time? And his choices are guided by how people are going to respond to him. You've heard the saying, I believe it was Abraham Lincoln that uh, quoted it. It was from somebody else. But some of the peop- you can please some of the people all of the time. You can please all of the people some of the time. But you can't please all of the people all of the time. It's impossible to please everybody all the time. So you set your heart on pleasing people. Here's what you're doing. You're setting up an impossible task for yourself. You're setting up something that is going to create frustration and difficulty and a problem in your life. You're setting yourself up to chase something that you're never going to actually achieve. Do you ever watch a dog chasing a car? Look at the dog chasing the car and you wonder, what are you going to do when you catch the car? He's not able. It's impossible for him to catch it and he can't do anything with it even if he did catch it. Do you know when you set your heart on pleasing people, You set yourself an impossible task. You're never going to achieve it. It's impossible to do. And it's not where you're supposed to be seeking your love anyway. Pleasing people creates inertia. It makes us double-minded. There's what's right and there's what people want. And rarely is it the same. Let me read you a story that's going to be a help to us. It's from Max Lucado. And it's a children's story. So children, you can listen up on this one. Um, and it talks about a village of wooden people who had been carved by the woodmaker Eli. And these wooden people were called Wemmicks. And he had made them all different. Every one of them was individual. Every one of them was different. Some were tall. Some were small. Some were coats. Uh, some didn't. Some uh, had hats on. Some didn't have hats on. Uh, they were painted different colors. Uh, They they were all different, purposefully different. And the Wemmicks spent their time doing the same thing. They gave stickers to each other. Each Wemmick had a box of stickers. They had gold stickers, and in it they had dark gray dots. 
And when they met somebody that was uh, clever or beautiful, they would give them a gold sticker. And when they met somebody who was ugly and maybe didn't seem to uh, know a lot, they, they, they gave them a, a little gray sticker. And so <clears throat> they went around all day giving each other stickers. Some Wemmicks were covered with golden stickers and other Wemmicks were covered in gray dots. Uh, there was one little Wemmick called Puccinello. Puccinello was smaller than the rest. And try as he might, he could never be enough. He was always less. He would try and jump as high as they did, but instead of jumping as high as they did, he would fall and he would chip his paint and he would get a gray sticker. Uh, he wasn't clever like they were. Uh, he wasn't beautiful. And so Puccinello ended up covered in dark gray stickers. Came to the place where he felt so fed up with life that he decided he wasn't going out anymore. Because every time he went out, he got a gray sticker. Every time he went out, somebody uh, looked at him and said, you're less, and put a gray sticker on him. And so he decided he was going to stay in his house. And then one day, looking at his window, he saw a Wemmick called Lucia. And Lucia was different than all the rest. She had no stickers. She didn't have any gold stickers and she didn't have any gray dot stickers. She just had no stickers at all. So he, he looked at Lucia and he said, what happened? How is it that you have no stickers on you at all? And she said, well, I go to see Eli, the woodcarver, every day. And the stickers don't stick on me. And so Puccinello looked at her and he said, I want that. She said, well, you should go and see the woodcarver. He, he loves to see people. You should go and see him. You should, you should take time and go up the hill uh, to see people. So Puccinello was so fed up with life and he looked at the rest of the <clears throat> Wemmicks and he thought, you know what, this is so terrible. They spend their lives giving and receiving stickers. And so one day he said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go up to the woodcarver. So he went up to the woodcarver and he went into the woodcarver's shop and he was amazed at how big the woodcarver's shop was. Everything was huge. Uh, he, he could barely, standing on his tippy toes, he could barely see over the stool. He, he looked at a hammer and the hammer was as big as he was. And then he got afraid and he was uh, going to leave. And then a voice said, Puccinello, it's so good of you to come. Let me take a look at you. Puccinello slowly turned around and looked at the large bearded craftsman and he said, Sir, you know my name? Of course I do. I made you, Eli said. Eli stooped down and picked up little Puccinello and set him on the workbench. Hmm. Looks like you've been getting a lot of gray dots. Puccinello quickly said, Oh, Eli, I'm sorry. I didn't really mean to. Really, I didn't. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel ashamed because people have criticized you and people have looked at you and said, you're this and you're that and you're not big and you're not good looking and you're not and you're not and you're not and you're not enough, never enough. Do you ever feel like that? That's how Puccinello was feeling. And so he says to the craftsman, he says to the crowd, oh, I'm sorry. I but watch what the craftsman says. Watch what Eli says to him. Eli smiled and said, well, you don't have to defend yourself to me, my child. I don't care. <clears throat> what the other Wemmicks think. And you shouldn't care either. 
Who are they to give stars or dots? They are Wemmicks just like you. What they think doesn't matter at all. All that matters is what I think, and I think you're pretty special. Do you know that God thinks you're pretty special? Do you know that God loves you, and he made you for himself? And he didn't make a mistake. He thinks you're pretty special. And you know what messes up our lives? When we don't know that. And when we live hoping somebody else will think we're special and wonderful and great. When we live hoping somebody else will put gold sticker on, stickers on us. And if, and if we get the gold stickers, you know what? It's bad for us because we, we, we come to the place where we don't need him. But, and if we get the grey dots, oh, we can get to feeling terrible. God loves you and he made you for himself and when you live for him to please him everything changes in your life Puccinello said me special how can I be special I can't walk fast I can't jump my paint is peeling I make silly mistakes all the time I'm not a beautiful whammock like some of the others Eli put his large hands on Puccinello's shoulders and said Puccinello you are mine. That's why you matter to me. You are special because I made you and I don't make mistakes. Puccinello asked, but why don't the stickers stay on Lucia? Eli answered, because she has decided that what I think is more important than what anybody else thinks. The stickers only stick if you let them. The more you trust my love, the less you will care about those stickers. Puccinello said, I'm not sure I understand what you are saying. Eli said, you will, but it will take some time. You've got a lot of great stickers, so for now, just come see me every day and let me remind you how much I care about you. So Puccinello believed him, and he did just that. He started going to see the woodcarver every day. And every time he went to see the woodcarver, one of his gray dots fell off. Till eventually, eventually there were no more gray dots. There were no gold stars either. There was just what the woodcarver thought of him. That's all that mattered in his life. Oh, you can see the application of the story. The woodcarver is, is the, the God that made us. And he made us for himself. And if we live for uh, <clears throat> pleasing other people, what we're going to find is we're going to find ourselves either proud or disappointed. But when we live for him, we live free of the opinions of other people. And that's free indeed. You don't have to please people. You just have to please the God that made you. That's true for you little ones. Oh, you may have a hard time in school. You may have people that criticize you and tear you down and think you're nothing. You may even be criticized because you're Christian and your family's Christian. But you know what? doesn't matter what they think. What matters is what God thinks. And he made you for himself. And he loves you. But do you know it's just as true for you teen? And I know the teen years can be hard. It's a long time ago for me, but I still remember how hard they were. I remember how self-conscious and how focused on yourself you could be and how other people had the ability to upend you. And I didn't live in a day of social media when people can either choose to scorch you or people can choose to ignore you. I know it's hard, but you know what? It doesn't matter what they think. 
All that matters is what God thinks. And he loves you. And if you settle into that love, what you'll find is that you will find satisfaction and you will find joy in that love. Do you know it's true for you, adult, too? I know as we get older, we develop thicker skins and we say we don't care. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. But it's not true. It hurts. We're living for to please people. It can just suck the life out of us. It's true for you that are retired. It's true for every human being that's born on this planet. God made you for himself and he loves you. And if you live to please him and live in that love, you will find the only successful life that it's possible for a human being to have. So what are we going to do with our message today? Well, you could spend your life trying to please people. And I'm sorry to say, but you're going to fail. You'll never please them all. But I'll tell you what you will live. You will live this topsy-turvy, up and down life where one day you're doing okay and the next day you're crushed because they don't like you. And that's no way for a human being to live. You can't live that way. You can live to please God. And he is easy to please. Do you know he is predisposed to be pleased with you? His heart is to love you and to be pleased with you. And you're not going to get it perfect. We never do. But when you live, when you set your heart to please him, he is pleased with you. He will work with you. He will help you get rid of the, uh, the, 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 the stickers, the, the dark gray stickers. He will help you get rid of those things. He will help fix you up. But he's pleased with the heart that says, I want to live for you. He is easy to please. Oh, you were made for him. It doesn't matter what people think of you. What matters is him. He knows your frame. He knows your weakness. He knows that you need his love. And he's ready and available and he has an abundant and infinite supply. If you'll just get focused on him. So what are our three points again? First of all, you can't live to please people. Secondly, you got to focus on heaven. You got to focus on the reward. You got to focus on the fact that that <clears throat> that he loves you. And you got to live for that. And when you do that, what you're going to find in your life is the reality of a God that loves you more than you could ever be loved and the only being in this universe that can satisfy your need for love is him. He will give you the right people along the way, but they, they'll never be more important than him. That's what he intends. So what are you going to do today with it? Are you going to choose to live for him? Are you going to choose to please him? Are you going to really in your heart disregard what people say and look at the place where you think, it's him I want, I want to please him. And if you make that choice, if you make that choice, choose today to please him. If you'll focus on heaven and if you'll get your focus off people and what they think, you will find life 
that is free. Life that is abundant. Life that is life indeed, a life in him. That's a word of prayer, Father. We thank you for your word to us. We thank you, Lord, for blessing us with truth. Lord, we thank you for knowing our frames and knowing our need and stepping in with words that turn it upside down and show us the right way. Lord, would you help that one that's struggling today with pleasing people? Your child, Lord, who's frustrated and bothered and hurt and cut because somebody is disapproving of them and somebody is looking down upon them. Lord, would you help that one? Help that one, Lord, that's that's riding high today because uh, somebody has approved of them. Lord, none of us are real. The only thing that matters is what you think of us. Help us to set our hearts on pleasing you today. And Lord, for that one that doesn't know you, for that one that's never come to the place, Lord, where they've laid their burden down and trusted you, oh, Lord, may today be that day. May today be the day when they call out to you. And may you reach out to them in love and draw them to yourself as your child. In Jesus' precious name, amen. The O'Gorman family, it's always strange when I say that, are going to sing for you now. Uh, Jesus, strong and kind. And it's a time of decision for us. Make the right decision. Make the right call. Choose to please him. Mm-hmm.